When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Ah, welcome back to another episode of Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. Mm. How are you? I am I am well. I'm chilly. It's chilly, chilly out today. It is. It is a little chilly. We actually had the heat on earlier, but it makes so much noise. And then it got too hot. Yes, you That's can't have problem. it too hot. You like a you like a nice, you I know, like a chill. Like a like a nice yeah. icy chill in this house. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Uh, we're full swing. You know, December it, in we, this holiday season. Yeah. Are you uh, prepped? Um, no, I'm not on Truvada. Um, I <laughs> That's a nice uh, thing to admit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, no BB for you. No B, no BB for me. <laughs> um, it's my choice. Uh, but be the generation, you know. Um, yes, hashtag. Hashtag be the generation. Um, <laughs> it is. Uh, never mind. Have you put up a holiday bush? I have not put up any holiday bush. Um, I have purchased uh, various um, holiday cards to give people from Etsy, though. Oh, nice. Um, so those should come in February. Yeah, well, there is <laughs> there is a set of cards that I bought from an artist in Mexico City that are not going to come until December thirty first, apparently. Oh, um, but we'll see. I don't know. Maybe they'll sh- maybe they'll ship sooner. I I I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't really see. know. But um, yeah. So there's that, and uh, um, I this you know this your home is decked out in all spooky finery. You, well, yeah, we've got. Well, a few I mean, things for up. the most part, yeah. Yeah, we there's a few more things I want to do. Um, your this is Halloween. Your Nightmare Before Christmas Village is yes, up. <laughs> my nativity is up. Uh, there's a few other things because they just released um, like a Jack Skellington with like the fountain. Funko Ooh. Pop, yeah. So I was, why don't you own that already? <laughs> I know, right? So I want to pick that up. I got one of Jack and his house, which is cute. Oh, uh, so yeah. There's I've added some things to the to the nativity, and I've also been um, toying with the idea. If you follow us on Instagram at Fright School uh, <laughs> and Facebook at Fright School and Twitter at Fright School, um, you may have seen. Dear listener, the uh, photograph of the annual scary Christmas tree. Uh, so that went up. It's a white tree with black and silver ornaments that we put up. But it's so different now, as Joshua has, you know, touched it four different times since I've been here today. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. Because the more you look at it, the more it's like, oh, I gotta balance it. Because it's like I like it no matter which direction. You know, it that's that like decorating tip, you know, yeah. no matter where you're standing yeah. in a room, it should be interesting. And so because you have a tendency, you know, when you decorate it, you know, you kind of put everything on and then as you look at it more, it's like, oh, I got to 
move things around, make it more complex. You know, if I'm standing over here, standing over there, what does it look like? Where does it mm-hmm. look like if you're sitting there or there? So, yeah, just balancing it. Uh, so, but I, I think I think it's okay now. I don't think I need to fiddle with it anymore. <laughs> Let's hope. But well, I've been I toying, mean, we'll see. I've been toying with the idea of getting somebody sent me uh, a link to a really cool black like mini Christmas tree. Oh, and I want to do like red ornaments. Oh, that'll be that'll be great. Yeah, that'll so be something delicious. for like right in the hall when you first walk in the front door, you know, greeted with that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I don't know why you haven't done that before. I I love your like your ex- exposed, you know, like your negative Christmas tree where yeah. it's white with black. But I think black tree with red ornaments will be, you know, very, very Father Blackwood, very, you know, Church of Night. Yeah. Yes. So I just want to kind of give it a, a try and see. But we'll see. I have not ordered it yet, uh, but I, I did see it. Because it's like, you know, it's also a mini tree, so finding, like, the right size ornaments for it. Yes, you know? true. Um, I also I have a Holiday Elvira bobblehead. She's in a beautiful red dress. Oh. So I have that at the front. So it would be kind of neat if I had a tree and then her, like, next to it would be really cute when you fir- when you walk in, you know. Yes. So, anyways, but, yeah, so we're kind of in full swing of the holidays here. I I was sort of, um, I'm looking forward to the holidays more so this year than usual, um, just because it, it'll just be really nice to wrap myself up with family and friends. Framily. You're framily. Uh, you know, so I'm looking forward to it more. So, every year, it's like it just keeps taking on new meaning as I continue to reshape Christmas in my image. Yes. <laughs> and I have to say that I do enjoy... I do enjoy that, like, you have the holidays, but you celebrate it entirely 100% your own way. Yeah, got to. Um, Got to, got to. That's great. I love (laughs) it. It has inspired me to celebrate it entirely 100% my own way. Good, you should, absolutely. Everybody should, you know, if you're not. I just don't understand, you know, this, like, urge to make the holidays, the holidays a miserable experience. You know, like it's like people like with Thanksgiving, you know, it's like a badge of honor to be like, I was miserable all day cooking and cleaning and suffering. You know, it's just like I've just been to so many horrible holiday functions where it's like nobody seems happy. So it's like we're all here because we are all obligated to be here. Yeah. Yeah. What if we freed ourselves from the obligation? Yeah. What if we just had fun? What if it wasn't so complex? You know, so that's like the nice thing. It's like, what if we didn't eat turkey? What (laughs) if we actually had food that tasted good? You know, like we, we had like, you know, had a ham or a prime rib. Yeah. That's what we had. Um, uh, We went up to the Squanch's family. Uh, His dad made a delicious ham and, it was very nice. The food overall was delish. See, there you go. Yeah, have, have and good, then delicious food. the day after, I made some delicious citrus infused Cornish hens. Oh, and uh, yeah, it was very good. So yeah, the Thanksgiving is always. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like everybody wants to be miserable or something. Not everybody. But, yeah, you know, it's just. I just don't understand at this time of year. It's like I just I really want to relax, you know. So that's why it's like you know it's like it's a pajama party for scary Christmas, you know. Just come over. I got tamales. I got hot chocolate. I got tons of store bought cakes and pies, and you know, and a few homemade things. Yes, but the majority is just to be lazy and have a good day. And when when will you release the? Uh, uh, when will you release the? Uh, scary Christmas viewing schedule. I I've been going back for because I don't know what I really want to show this year. So I have a few that I know definitely because I always show you know some, but uh, I was kind of looking forward to seeing what else might come out still. Okay, you okay. know that I might throw on. So we'll see. 
uh, but it'll be out soon. So, and I will, uh, I'll post that to our various feeds if people want to play a, along at home. Yes, we'll, <laughs> we'll show you. We'll show you horror. where you can stream it or not. Um, <laughs> who, where you can rent it or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Christmas this year is going to be interesting because um, the my cousin's kids are a little older this year, so I'm thinking. I'm usually the game master. I'm the one who like is in charge of our presents and white elephant and all that stuff. Um, but since the kids are a little bit older this year, I was thinking about maybe doing something fun with just like for them, uh, you know, cause the holidays are always about the children. Um, it's really interesting. Cause like, as I get older, I realize like within the last five years, um, I realized that like, I really don't want people to get me gifts. I want them to give me money and I'll just buy my own shit. <laughs> Amen. You know, I just like, I'm, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fine not receiving like, mm-hmm. uh, gifts from people or, you know, I don't create wish lists anymore. Cause it's like, I don't really need anything. Um, and I'm perfectly capable of buying the things that I want throughout the year. Um, yeah. so I'd rather just have the ability to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And you can, um, is that, are, are you hinting at our Pinecast tip jar? No. Uh, yes, actually, if you want to set, you know, Joshua and I have, like, we have some travel coming up, so put some money in our jar. Oh my gosh, yes, for uh, the holidays. Thank you. Yeah, we would appreciate that. You know, my birthday is also in December, so you can throw exactly. a dollar in there and we can, you know, um, throw some coins at us. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm excited for that. That's coming up soon. So we'll start. Uh, we'll be start talking about that soon. About what we're doing in the new year. Yes, it's gonna be an exciting. Wait, year. it's gonna be another fun, fun uh, freight school filled year. Uh, let's see what else has been happening. Um, I did see um, Knives Out. Oh yeah, yeah. How was, was it? Very. Nice. Really, I really want to see that. Uh, very good. I just love Tony Collette. It's so. a it's a very interesting take on the murder mystery film. Um, cool. Which I th- and you don't. You don't quite see it coming when they reveal it to you. Oh, cool! Um, so well, I like that. If I'm not like, oh, it, that I know who it is, you know that kind of thing. Well, it's it, it's it's very it's very interesting, and you know Captain Von Trapp is still you know very much alive, and he's very vibrant in this film. And cool. uh, Tony Collette is just a riot. Is she in it a lot? She's not in it a lot, um, but when she is, she's there. Same cool. thing with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. But yeah, it's really good. I mean, Daniel Craig as like this Southern fried detective is also good, and Lakeith Stanfield is playing the same character Lakeith Stanfield plays in every film. All right. Yes. Yeah, I was looking forward to it. The uh, promotional stuff has been really fun, you know. So I, uh, I, I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I have so much like catching up to do on movies, you know. I it's just it's like we do live in this time with all the streaming and you know, I have the Netflix and the Hulu and the Amazon Prime and now the Disney Plus and the Wild Presents Plus and I had DC Universe but I'm canceling that. Um cuz I don't need it. Um and what else? Oh my gosh, so many I just have so many streaming services that it's just like I'll just wait for it to come. I'm kind of spoiled on like going to movies, you know. Yeah, which is too bad because the new Star Wars is coming out, and I think we might already have tickets. Oh, well, you know, I may so. have to figure out when you're going because I definitely want to go to that. Yeah, it's either the Saturday or Sunday after mm. it premieres. Okay. Yeah, because um, we're not doing like the Thursday night, Wednesday, whatever it is, you know, midnight premiere that people are going to. Some of our friends are doing that, but I think we'll go out that weekend. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's yeah, good. Yeah, so that's coming. So that definitely I'm going to see. And Cats. 
Ah, uh, yes. I'm definitely, definitely going to go see Cats. And I'm forcing Jeffrey to go. If I, if I have to go see Star Wars, he has to go see Cats. Yes. I will say this, and I, I kind of wanted to, uh, you know, put this... I keep thinking I, I wanted to write, like, a post about this or something, but I'm very concerned, much like with the Lion King trailers, the the, the um, live action and major quotes, uh, Lion King, that they didn't play a lot of the music or yeah. feature a lot of, like, singing in the trailers. Oh. And Cats, it's kind of the same. They only show um, Jennifer... Laura, not Lawrence uh, Hudson. Hudson, Jennifer Hudson I singing was like, "Memory," which we knew she, um, we know she can sing. You know, we yeah. saw Dreamgirls. Yeah, she got an Oscar for singing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we know she can sing, and Memory, obviously, she sounds beautiful, perfect. But the fact that they're not, they haven't been giving a lot of other of the music. You know, has me worried. You know, because it's the same mm-hmm. thing. That's what happened with the Lion King. That's why I didn't go see it because they put the soundtrack out and I listened to it and I'm like, ooh. ooh. Mm-hmm. I know, like. It was just I, so I did like. I do like some of the songs on uh, Beyonce's Lion King: The Gift. Oh, um, like a companion album. A companion album. Same thing. That I think what Kendrick did with uh, Black Panther because she featured a lot of artists from Africa. And oh, interesting. Yeah, like it's. I'll have to let you listen to some stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be cool. But regardless, I'm I'm a little nervous because I I've not heard enough of the singing from it. And that's, uh, I mean, it's, that's concerning. Heavily auto-tuned. Yeah. Well, especially with like, you know, well, I don't know. I mean, James Corden can sing. Yes. You Um, know. Judy Dench can sing. Judy Dench can sing. I mean, there's a lot of people in in this Uh, that can sing. Idris Elba maybe can sing. Yeah, we don't know. he's playing McCavity. I think, I think you might be right. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, d- I don't know who's playing what, really. Yes. Um, I think they're gender-bending Deuteronomy with... Yes, that's Judy Dench. Yes. It's Deuteronomy. Yeah, that's that that you can tell by the, the trailer. Um, but yeah, I... Uh, yeah, we'll see. I de- I'm, we're definitely going to see it. So okay. might bring a flask and a vape pen just in case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that should be that should make from excellent viewing. Yeah, I just hope that you know the songs aren't too, because that's the thing. Because like for a while they like reinvented like the Rum Tum Tugger song, uh-huh. you know, and there's other like versions. And you know when you bring it to like a modern audience, it's like you know the music's very Andrew Lloyd Webber, very you know in that '80s realm of the way musical sounded then. So it's like I just I want it to still have that flavor. You know, I don't want it to be too modernized. You know? uh, we'll see. Yeah. So we'll see. Exactly. Some of the, like the footage, you know, where you're watching where it's like, I think that's probably this scene and it definitely looks like it's not <laughs> like the original score. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's life. Whatever. If it if it's bad, I'll just go back to that. Um, remember the 1998 like. Um, yeah. The, the filmed the, version of yeah, Cats. Exactly. That's fine. Yeah. I can live with that. You Even live without the Growl Ball Tiger's Last you know. Stand. I can still exactly yes. I can always go back and watch that because that was very enjoyable as a, a when I was a teenager. So lovely, yeah. Um, blah, 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 blah. Trying to think what else. Oh, I did get. Um, I've been getting. I've been collecting some documentaries for us to to watch and review in the coming time. Oh, so, have you? Yeah. Um, I just got Memory: The Origins of Alien, which um, our friend Daniel, who was on. On our double episode. Yes. Uh, talked a little bit about. So I got that. It was actually really neat because it came with this really cool, uh, you know, girl, you know, I love an enamel pen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's uh, like the Xenomorph as H.R. Giger originally, like, 
it's based on that painting. Yes. So yes, it's kind yes. of a cool little square. That is a really cool pin. pin. That's a pin that I would also love to own one day. Yes, it's it's really neat. So I picked that up. Uh, so I'm looking forward to us watching that, and we'll have to talk a little bit about that again. Maybe have Daniel back on. My goal is to get an enamel pin from every film that we've watched. Oh, well, you'll be very busy. Yes, I mean, collecting that's like over 70 enamel pins. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so I got that. I have another one coming called In Search of Darkness, which is sort of looking at 80s horror films. And the particular version I bought is the Elvira edition. So she's, um, I think, has segments in it. Not as Elvira, but Cassandra like narrating or, or talking about the different movies in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also have our, our dear friend. Our dear friend uh, Kyle. Kyle, we have his survival of the film freak. So I would like to I would like to devote an episode to that. Um, there's just there's a lot of really good documentaries. Obviously the Scream Queen documentary. Yes. With Mark Patton. Which um, is making the festival circuit right now. Yes, we have friends that are working on a uh, a queer horror documentary. So that's exciting. Yes. Uh, it's a so good time for documentaries. It is, yeah. So I think it'd be nice to uh, uh, to to review, to watch and review a few. Um, that's really that's what I got for uh, you know news. Awesome. <laughs> that's what I got as well. <laughs> I love it. Um, but uh, so yeah, I guess we're today we're continuing our series on natural horror. Uh, you know, man versus environment, man versus nature. Is that what you are? A natural horror? Yes, uh, I am. You make <laughs> me feel like a natural horror. You know? Yeah. Ooh, let's let's do that. Let's rewrite a whole bunch of songs to put out a Fright School record, Joe. How? <laughs> no, I'm kidding, because you would actually go home and make that happen. Uh, yeah, I would make that happen. We'll get Sam Wyman to come in here, Brennan. Mm. Like, they'll make that fucking shit happen. Yeah. <laughs> Edu- but they have to be educational songs. Um, well, they'll be, yes, they'll with be a like, choir of creepy children. It'll be like uh, schoolhouse rock, but it'll be about different fright be, school rocks. Yeah, fright school rock. I we'll do it. the final girl. Will it be a song about the final girl? But it'll be I'm just a Bill. But it'll be the final girl. You know, doing the you know. Yeah, I wish you could see the little dance Joe's doing, dear listener. <laughs> we'll put it up on the on a boomerang when this when this episode comes out. Yeah, I dig it. Um, but yeah, so we're we're gonna do a, a little um, little journey into uh, Hitchcock's The Birds right after this. <laughs> I just want to apologize. I'm sorry to everyone. I was very naive and very stupid, and I shouldn't have put other people in danger. I am so sorry for everything that has happened, because in spite of what Joshua says, it's now all my fault. I insisted our listeners subscribe to Fright School on Apple Podcasts, I insisted they leave us reviews. I insisted that they give us a five-star rating. And it's all because of me that we're here now and we're being hunted. I love you, Mom and Dad. I am so sorry. I only wanted to make good content for our listeners. I'm so scared. 
I'm going to die out here. <laughs> Joshua, is that you? <laughs> Joe, it's recently come to my attention that we are among beards. Beards. <laughs> ah, yes. Listener, we are looking today at the 1963 film directed, produced by Alfred Hitchcock, The Birds. Um, very loosely based on a novella by Daphne du Maurier. Um, talks all about unexplained bird attacks. Talks about. I don't know why I said that. It is about. It is yes. Birds attacking a small coastal California town. Yes. So, uh, what did you think, Joseph? Well, um, I I think your education is uh, sufficiently uh, sufficiently corrupted me because there were several parts where the birds were attacking people where I was just cracking up laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the the effects on our you know jaded eyes. Yes. Are, well, I mean, also you know our you know this like high definition television and yeah. these effects are you know they're not translating. But I can just I kept thinking like wow at the time this must have been like terrifying to people that all these birds were everywhere. Uh, oh, it was good. It was good. Um, definitely probably won't do a rewatch of it, but yeah. it's nice to some have, you know, as ambiance in the background or something. It's tad long. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, we get it. We don't know why the birds are doing what they're doing, but you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting how long it just all kind of went on and <laughs> before you get any, before you're really doing anything. And there's the you know the MacGuffin of like you know who is she this woman this you know bored heiress prankster goes breaks into a one man's home and yeah Melanie Daniels is the character played by Tippi Hedren yes Tippi Hedren uh, legendary Tippi Hedren legends in this lots of legends in this yeah we got Rod Taylor as Mitch Mitchell Brenner uh, the Central male of all of this, uh, Jessica Tandy as Lydia Brenner, as Lydia, his mother, Suzanne Plachette as Annie Hayworth, his ex lover, mm. and uh, a very young Veronica Cartwright, who we've seen in Alien and The Witches of Eastwick, and Jack's mom, uh, Jack's mom from uh, Will and Grace, Grace. Uh, yes, uh, playing young Kathy Brenner, Mitch's uh, sister, uh, yeah. Legends. Any other legends that you reckon? <laughs> um, well, I mean, the the of course, the cameo with Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, right, yes, right beginning. at the beginning, walking his dogs. They were his own uh, terriers. Sealaham Terriers? I don't know what that is. I w- uh, so, Joshua, before we watched it, in one of the special features of the, of the DVD that he had was... Um, yes, I got to revisit our Alfred yes. Hitchcock collection that yes. uh, we watched North by Northwest and Psycho from. And uh, this particular uh, this particular special feature was the trailer, and it was a very long-winded trailer starring mainly Alfred Hitchcock. But I thought it was very effective, 
Um, and it had all his sarcasm. And I thought that was a very nice way to start it out and give me a kind of a taste of, I think it gives a good job of giving a taste of what he was going for and why he made, why he chose to make the film the way he did. Yeah. I enjoyed the sarcasm of it. You know, that's like the funny thing about the trailer. So I, I, I'm pretty sure it's probably available on YouTube. You can go and um, look for it. But it's just funny how he talks about like, you know, the brave bird and like our our loving relationship with it. <laughs> All the time talking about like, you know. We put it in cages. Right, you know, yeah. Eat it and. You know, hunt it for fun. Hunt it, I think yeah. the best one was about the egg where he was like, you know, man sought to eat it. And then, you know, we figured out a way to. Alter time so that way they're always laying eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trapping them in like eternal darkness, laying eggs. <laughs> yeah, I, it's very, uh, it was very political, you know. Yeah. But I like how he talks about it's like, oh, you know, I like to stray from controversial subjects. <laughs> yes. No controversial subjects, please. Yeah, so I, I did want to show you that because I just, yeah, it's very entertaining, you know, just to see him introduce the film and, uh, you know, kind of lay the groundwork. So, it, for uh, for what's to come. Well, lovely. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> You're so welcome. So, the birds. The birds. So, obviously, I mean, it's one of those films sort of on the surface, obviously, it's about, uh, you know, birds attacking a town, you know, very clearly animal versus man. Mm-hmm. You know, so for this little series that we're doing here, yeah, uh, you know, so you can, I think, you know, read it as a a comment on environment. You know, on again, it's it's sort of very relevant today. You you kind of brought up a few times about how it could be remade, um, although I think in some ways it sort of has been. You know, it, in it movies def- like The Happening, or mm-hmm. you know, where like nature turns against us because we're. Um, destroying it. <laughs> yeah, I think you can definitely see how all natural, like a lot of natural horror films, um, are referenced are referencing the birds and how, and it's just like you know strangers banding together to you know uh, basically just be on the run from it. Um, I thought a lot about uh, Jaws, obviously yeah. you know with seaside town being <laughs> beset by. Um, a you know a menace. It was also long <laughs> as well. <laughs> uh, it was a long and drawn out as well. Um, but yeah, it was. It, I I just kept thinking. I was telling Joshua the whole time. I'm like, yeah, you could remake this. Like you could remake this and and have it be at least uh you know certified fresh maybe on on tomatoes. But it, I definitely think it could be remade into something um to something more interesting and equally as horrifying. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm sure it could be. I'm surprised it hasn't been remade. I know they tried to do a sequel that, like, bombed. Um, but I don't know, maybe... You, you'd you have to do it... I don't know. Is this one of those movies that would have to be sort of like a comedy horror? Oh, you mean, like, not intent... Like, it's a remake, but it's, like, a very tongue-in-cheek remake? Maybe. Yeah, I, I, want, I think maybe that could be successful. I just don't know how terrifying birds are. But then again, I mean, this was, not only is it based on a Daphne du Maurier novel, but, or novella, but also, you know, in the early 60s, a bunch of seagulls, or some kind of bird, I think it was seagulls, did attack, like invaded a town, mm-hmm. uh, because they, I guess now, 
um, we understand or scientists or whoever studying the case think that they got into some like toxic algae or something that was probably created by uh, sewer runoff. So it like poisoned them, yeah. made them like, you know, lose it. And so they like attacked this town. So maybe at the time it was a little bit more real, you know, because you're watching something that is based on, you know, an, an event a real that event. happened. Yeah. Um, so I just, I, it, finding a way to make them scary, like making birds really scary, I think would be a challenge, you know. Not like, you know, spiders or, uh, you know, or something like that where they're already creepy yeah. to, to most people. Yeah. Um, so it's funny you mention that because the the older woman who is, you know, ornithology is her avocation. Yeah. Um, she was just like, you know, birds are the, for the enjoyment of, be, you know, bring beauty into the world. And I looked over at you and I was like, has she ever met like a hawk or <laughs> like a bird of prey, a yeah. raptor, a, you know, like, come on, give me a, give me a break with this, you know, pleasure and beauty. Yeah. yeah. Um, I kind of wanted uh, at the end, you know, not to skip towards the very end, but I kind of wanted the lovebirds to just like escape and kill all of them <laughs> in the... The other, hu- the people in, in the, the car. In the car, yeah. yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. You know, I, I thought that was unsatisfying. Just yeah, it was an odd choice for her to grab them and take them. I didn't know what that was about. I mean, the whole... Other than they were calm. The whole last 10 minutes where it was just like, you know... Creep, creeping, <laughs> creeping by to um, to make sure to see if they're gonna like you know just getting the car and then getting them in the car was just all really long and drawn out and I didn't like that and yeah well and I'm just wondering like if that serves a different like purpose of the other meanings that the film might have um, but before we dive into that I, there was I wanted to comment on something you were talking about the remake oh so I do think that the ornithologist or whatever character brings up what is centrally I guess scary about the film mm-hmm. in that there are a lot of animals and should they decide to rise up against us <laughs> like they probably do have a good oh yeah we're fucked like, you know in in some ways you know um i mean obviously we could argue that forever you know how how um, much of a threat <laughs> to like our existence a bunch of wild birds might be. Yeah. But I just, I do think that that's something that can be explored, you know, in an interesting way if, if it was to be remade, you know. Um, but again, it just, in this day and age with the kind of military weapons we have and drones and all that sort of stuff, even that, I, I don't know, it feels like. How can we make Can we get that? Yeah. yeah. Can we make it scary? You know, so Birds I think it would have to be. being scary on their own. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I think like we'd a have Sharknado to find, or. Yeah. That's why I think it would have to almost be like a campy meta kind of thing. You know, of uh, if, if, if somebody's going to remake this, it would have to have that sort of commentary of like Zombieland. Yeah. Or um, what is that? Um, isn't there a movie like from the people who did like Shaun of the Dead about like sheep or something maybe it wasn't them oh but hmm. i thought there was I don't like know that i don't know there's there's like movies that are like a little bit more tiny maybe like a like a like a dead snow maybe yeah. yeah where it can be a little bit funnier you know even like arachnophobia it's meant to we haven't watched it yet but it's coming um has has a dark humor to it yeah yeah, yeah. you know whereas like the film that it's kind of inspired by a kingdom of the spiders does not it has much more of a bleak sort of ending you know like i was saying when we were watching it it did kind of remind me of like Night of the Living Dead, you know, from 1960. That was, mm-hmm. you know, one of the first films we watched for uh, for Fright School. 
um, it it had like like they were trying to make it that kind of terrifying, you know, with them beating at the doors and you see their little beaks breaking in, and it's just it has like a it has opportunity to be really funny. Yeah, you know, and you could play with the horror. I guess of that, you know. Also, it was just like, oh, oh, it was a lot of, oh, yeah, oh. yeah, everybody freaking out. But I mean, and it did have some disturbing imagery. I think of like Jessica um, Tandy's character uh, going in. Um, oh, and seeing the guy and with seeing the, the farmer oh, with, with his, his eyes, eyes picked out, out. Yeah. and they showed that for a bit. And I'm like, wow, for 1963, that's pretty gory. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of blood in this, and seeing like the children getting attacked while they're running, and they're all, you know. Bleeding. It's like, yeah, I imagine being being an audience of the '60s, not not having experience with like special effects on this ca- of this caliber, yeah. you know. Which at the time, this was like state of the art, you know. Yeah, this they, is, yeah. I th- Disney was involved um, in helping uh, create some of the special effects. Um, they they did a lot of interesting things of like laying, you know, like footage over you know, film. So the, it, it was just very cutting edge for its time. So I, I do imagine that it kind of would give, maybe given people like a fear of birds. If you saw mm-hmm. this as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> just might walk by and see a bunch of birds gathered together like, hmm. Well, it, so, you know, here, here's your, here's our, you know, episodic story about, folksy story about being from Guam, right? So Guam has like a little to no bird population mm-hmm. uh, due to back in the 40s in a, um, there was an invasive species that came and basically almost wiped out all the birds on Guam. A snake or something? Yeah, it was a, yeah. a, a snake. Uh, so, you know, coming here and seeing birds, having not watched the birds, but knowing that that movie exists and what it's about, uh, seeing a lot of birds just kind of freaks me out in general because I'm just like, oh, well, maybe, maybe this is when they start to, maybe this is when they rise up against me um, and just not being familiar with it. So there you go. Like, that's me. I don't have a fear of birds, but I do remember getting, like, freaked out when they're in, like, in the sky migrating or, you know, seagulls yeah. that are just kind of there. And, uh, you know, thanks to this movie, I'll probably be even more freaked out now. So <laughs> there we go. Anytime you see them gathering together. Yeah, we were walking somewhere the other day, and there were just tons of, like, crows that looked, and they were all swirling in the sky. I'm like, that looks fucking ominous. Yeah. <laughs> it's a murder of crows. Yeah, they call them that for a reason. Yeah, obviously. exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I like that the film also doesn't offer much of an explanation. You know, it's like they just the birds lose their fucking shit. They're tired of people. You know, tired of their fucking boats in the water. Tired of their fucking houses standing in the way. They're tired of being people's pets. Their glass windows that they're running into. They're just sick of it. Like fishing their fish. Sick of these apes and their bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they just, you know, come and take take over. Like, hey, we don't need this shit. And it's interesting because it sort of, you know, creates the reverse, like, you know, where the birds in the beginning, you know, they're all in cages and it's all about, you know, keeping a pet bird and, you know, the chickens that she, you know, the mother is um, involved with at the farm and you know, and then by the end, the birds have created the situation where people can't leave their houses. You know, they're all yeah. trapped, you they're, know, in their own cages. Yeah. I, I like the the, parallel. the imagery of yeah. that. You know, especially at the end when they're driving away and you just see thousands and thousands of these birds all just hanging out. And know? they're not, like, 
beautiful. You know, they're like the no, they're pelicans, they're pelicans and, and crows and <laughs> seagulls, sparrows. Because like, what's the ones that are in or the, seagulls, not pelicans, seagulls. Uh, the ones that are in uh, the shop, uh, the shop that in San Francisco are all like these beautiful parakeets and canaries and things. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's the thing, the lovebirds, you know. So that was another, it was kind of interesting, one of the things in, uh, when I was researching, you know, some analysis of, of the birds is there was a, a study. So the Daphne du Maurier book has this uh, reading where it's sort of about... Um, like communism and the Cold War. Um, oh, mm, that's interesting. You know, so it's like this political allegory about the psychological violence of capitalism, the fear-mongering of the Cold War. This is from What is Hitchcock's The Birds Really About by Megan Burbage for The Medium. Uh, this came out, this was written September 20th, or published September 25th, 2017. So it's kind of looking at the, the novella where it's about a... F- farming family who are living in a remote part of Cornwall and they're um, suffering these relentless attacks by flocks of birds so dedicated that they killed themselves in this pursuit which is kind of seen in the in the film early on when um, Melanie and um, oh gosh the other the, the girlfriend oh yes 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 um, the uh, the and Hayworth Hayworth, Hayworth. and yeah. I know yeah Hayworth I keep thinking Hayworth uh, when the seagull flies into the door and kills itself. Um, anyway, so there's this whole thing about it, it, the film being this, or the book, the original book being a comment on the Cold War and that the birds representing this like Soviet Union influence, uh, communist paranoia, um, because there's a lot of repeated reference to the East Wind and the Arctic Circle is mentioned several mm. times, which is... Um, the Arctic Circle alludes to the fear of the domino theory, the idea that communist victories will trigger revolutions in other countries. So there's this whole reading of the of the book um, with this sort of communist witch hunt, you know, coming out of like the McCarthy era. Um, and then also the rising up of the oppressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have like in in what you're talking about, like the birds and the gilded cages. They're kept as pets. They're, you know, treated nicely by the humans. They're not eaten. You know, they're, they're not shot for at. fun. They're yeah. there to be pretty. You know, so they kind of represent this more wealthy class. And so what rises up are the wild birds. Yes. Um, but what kind of gets lost then in that translation is that they don't really attack the wealthy or, you know, they just kind of, they're attacking everybody and the children get, yeah, yeah kind of get it, which I mean, well, I guess it, it does sort of make sense, but it's just the reading of it. It's not like this is some ritzy, fancy coastal town. No, you know? it's I mean, a it pretty seems, working class. Yeah. Town. It seems like a lot of the people there are just kind of getting by, you know, probably tourism and whatnot. Um, Kind of like the Jaws beach in a way. Yes, very much. <laughs> but yeah, so there's this whole like yeah analysis of the, of Marxism and all this stuff in the novel that doesn't really exactly translate, you know, to the film. Um, again, I mean, the environmentalism of it, you know, the allegory for that is is obviously clear, you know, with the birds. Yeah, I, I feel that's a little on the nose, like yeah. uh, for for the analysis. But I thought it was really interesting in reading research for this and the book because basically, you know, Hitchcock had heard about you know what happened 
I guess he had read the Daphne du Maurier's short story because it is part of a collected works of, of um, Alfred Hitchcock Presents um, novels that came out. I have a couple. Um, so he was influenced by it, but it was basically, I like this idea of the birds attacking people, but let's just kind of rewrite the whole thing. <laughs> so it's yeah. not, you know, um, du Maurier, I think, was very unhappy with sort of how it came out because it bared little resemblance to... To, to what, the work. What they actually work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the other interesting thing about the film. Oh, Hemlock. Yeah. So bad. Hemlock's gonna it's come back. Come I'm just gonna leave the door open. <laughs> um about the birds? Yeah, so the birds, sorry, got distracted by Hemlock, is this Reading of it, so I found this article, The Freudian Interpretation of the Birds, uh, by Jeff Saparito, December 11, 2015. This is for The Take. And so it's kind of analyzing, so in Alfred Hitchcock's work in general, so North by Northwest, which you and I saw, the main character, um, the whole reason he gets wrapped up in the thing is he's mistaken for somebody else uh-huh. when he was simply trying to make a call to his mother who he has a close, unique relationship with. Um, and then... Played by Cary Grant. Yeah, who, so that... you know, is... has been outed by Betty White. Oh, right. Yeah, so... I forgot about that. Um, oh, Betty. Uh, so, that was 59. Then 60, he did Psycho, which is clearly very, you know, a boy and his mom. Uh, yes. <laughs> you can go back and uh, you can listen, to that, listen to that. Uh, to our episode all devi- devoted to Psycho. But again, looking at the complex relationship between son and daughter, or son and mother. And then to the birds, also kind of has this, the main character has a close relationship with his mother. He calls her dear and darling throughout it. She's like the woman in his life, which she likes to be. And so she is like scaring off the other women who come around. Yeah. So there's this reading of the film that it's, um, I, I just think it's like a Freudian, like Oedipal complex. <laughs> that's very interesting. Cause those, those <laughs> that that's a very clear theme of the three. Of those three films specifically, yeah. Yeah, it's just something that Hitchcock liked to explore. You know, the, the, the again, the monstrous feminine, yeah. you know, to some extent. Because when you tie, when you read the film this way, it's called The Birds, which obviously bird is a, a, a term yeah. for women. For women. Um, I would say prob- derogatory. Yeah, pejorative you know. of, short, of sorts pejorative, uh, especially in this context. So you have Melanie, which I pointed out, you know, she's blonde with her green dress, kind of reminds you a little bit of a pretty little parakeet that you keep in your, um, in a gilded cage. He makes that reference early on. Only for enjoyment, only for, yeah, um, only for, because they look pretty. Yeah, and she's kind of shown, she's a prankster and, you know, sociolite kind of bored or whatever with her life. So gets sort of wrapped up in coming to this town and meeting his girlfriend and meeting the mother. And so there's this connection that, you know, and it comes, it's in the movie with the woman at, at late in the film where she blames Melanie. She's like, this didn't start until you got here. You're evil. So reading this idea that each woman, um, including Kathy, so we also pull in his little sister as well. So all these different women 
Um, they all flock around Mitch until the powerfully sexy Melanie shows up and, like an object being tossed into a flock of birds, causes them to disperse. Angry and frustrated by Melanie's presence, the physical bird attacks are the manifestation of this like collective rage. <laughs> Dear. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's a very unique perspective. Um, so the birds depicts, this is from Columbia College, to, uh, the birds depicts the kind of everyday reality which, from Freud's perspective, a person suffering from mental pathology experiences. It is filled with dangerous, fatal things and gives rise to hysteria, anxiety, and paranoia. But why exactly they are dangerous and fatal is not consciously known. So with, like, the birds. <laughs> I know, he's such a jerk. He just loves to come in and out. Yeah, that's the thing. They just want to be invited in over and over again. But uh, so one can see this theory hold merit. So the first attack in the birds comes after Melanie comes to drop off the lovebirds. So creating that um, solidifying that she's going to continue to pursue Mitch, you know, by dropping Mm -hmm. these birds off for his uh, sister. And it attacks, the seagull attacks her at that point. And then when they converge, when she and um, Annie get together and the seagull attacks the house. And mm-hmm. then when they, all three of the, 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 well, all four of the main women in his life all converge at the birthday party, that's when they all really swoop in in the, this whole insurgency. Yes. <laughs> <bird> starts. <laughs> um, I, I just found that and thought that was sort of an interesting um, study <laughs> of the birds, a way to uh, look at it. This, um, Anti-feminist psychoanalysis Hmm. uh, is what comes up in the other article, back to the Medium article. So um, Hitchcock's films have the recurring theme of neurotic and controlling matriarchs. Um, Hitchcock's mother is like the Wizard of Oz. Remove the mask and you have a woman grappling with her own demons. Which is very apparent in uh, when Lydia is speaking to uh, Melanie and telling her, you know, what after she gets attacked and... Uh, oh no! After she sees the uh, the farmer uh, with the with his eyes gouged out and sitting in the bed, so um, interesting because he's you know it's also stems from like the still having not completely recovered from the death of her husband too. Yeah, it's also interesting because as like the film goes on, if my problem with like this sort of reading of it, I mean, I think it's interesting. Again, you know, we're we're thinking about Hitchcock's own um, Weinsteinian yes, <laughs> um, uh-huh. behaviors with women. Uh, Tippi Hedren, obviously, um, is a, a good one. They've made movies about uh, their relationship, and you know, books and things have been written and things have been said. Um, you know, so he obviously there are some complexities around how he views women. But so if if this film was about like, you know, the birds are this like manifestation of feminine rage at, you know, to protect this one guy from outside, you know, the they're friendly, you know, like Lydia and her start to become friendly, M- Melanie and the mother and um Annie and Melanie also are kind of, you know, become friendly and that doesn't cause the birds to disperse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, so but then you know maybe it's just because it's all underneath, 
you know? It's just gently. They're being nice, gently, but they all hate each other. Gently still. under the surface. Continuing to conjure the birds. <laughs> um, I found something interesting. You've heard of Camille Paglia? Uh, I have not. No. Uh, so she's a big-time feminist theorist. Um, she's written lots of stuff. She wrote an entire monograph on the birds. And <laughs> she's like oh, a wow. big fan of Hitchcock, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, but then I remembered that Camille Paglia has some controversial views. You can read the Wikipedia for that. Um, okay. Interesting uh, thoughts on child pornography, for instance. <laughs> um, so not that we can necessarily say that she's this feminist, you know, um, <laughs> she's a feminist, but what I want to say, her defense of Hitchcock and her like dismissiveness around the accusations is is is, is interesting to mm-hmm. to read um it's a lot to unpack yeah it is uh but she wrote like a whole monograph uh about um about the birds just analyzing like every scene and she gets really into detail like there's this scene um I haven't read the book. I, I kind of want to just because in, in, in reading through some of the research, it kind of came up a few times as, as work cited for people. So I'm like, man, I should read it because it sounds, uh, sounds very interesting. But she like, there's like a split second scene where you can see like an album of Tristan and Isolde like in yeah. the background. Uh-huh. And she makes some big thing about the significance of that. <laughs> so I just think it's kind of interesting that... Um, she wrote this whole thing, but she also proposes that the timing of the attacks of the birds correlate with female anger. Um, just, you know, each one when they first show up, you know, when she first shows up to the town and then, you know, when she has the overnight and then the birthday party and then going on and on and on, you know, that she's, um, the birds are telling her she's not a welcome guest. So I just, I thought it was interesting that she, uh, had written about this. Interesting that you know, if you're if you want to do the birds, uh, the bird attacks as just a, um, a a metaphor for female anger overall, um, then you can the le- through that lens, it makes the final scenes very interesting because here he is, you know, this man Mitch, uh, trying to get to the car to listen to the radio, get everybody evacuated, tiptoeing around the birds that surround him. So, you know, it's there under the surface. It could erupt at any moment. The volatile feminine, if you will. Yeah. And then never really quite knowing when she is going to blow up, a.k.a. the birds are going to descend and and start their harm. Um, and then was is able to navigate that minefield. I mean, it's a little misogynistic because it just... it. It it assumes through that lens. It assumes that you know all women are just these super um, emotional creatures governed by you know violence. Yeah, um, but I mean through that lens, that that's kind of how you can. If I if I was to write you know something on it, I could say um, that would be one of the ways I guess I could interpret that final scene. Yeah, well, him walking like among the birds and being really mm-hmm. largely left alone. You know, like a few of them peck at him. You know, but mostly he remains safe. Like, they don't surround him and kill him. Um, It's sort of interesting. It does, again, it gives a little bit of the credence to this idea that these three, four women, I keep forgetting Kathy, um, are somehow manifesting this 
this this um uh, the attacks. Yes. Um I was looking for like events or something um a, a different word, but yes, exactly. Um just because when he comes out, you know, they they leave him alone largely. I just yeah. thought, you know, I mean it's sort of an interesting choice, you know, when it's like there was a good opportunity there to do another really fun bird attack scene. <laughs> um Maybe in the remake, we make it so that way the birds only attack men. Yeah, there we go. And the women are fine. Yes, because poor Tippy Hedren, she was all cut up, you know. And I guess, you know, I guess that happened in real life. Well, and that's the thing with, like, Hitchcock, again, much like when we discuss the art of monstrous men. Um, rumor has it he had a thing for Tippy Hedren. Hedren. I keep saying her name wrong. Um, and she obviously was like, no thanks. Um and so, he and then Shelley devolved her, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. Like he was so incensed that he just kind of made her miserable. I guess she had like a breakdown on the set, especially the scene in in the um, end where the birds are all coming. Because she was told, I guess, that they were going to be mechanical birds, but instead, for like five days shooting, it took to do that. They were like throwing real birds at her with um, their mouths banded shut. And so one, like, caught her in the cheek close to her eye. And she just, like, freaked out and melted down. And um, Hitchcock didn't want to stop production. But I guess the on-site doctor was like, okay, well, you can either stop or you can kill this woman. <laughs> yeah. Those are the choices. So she had to had to have a little break uh, from that. So it does, it's, and I think in another scene, some broken glass cutter. So I, she just had, like... You know, it started out as a great experience, but then went really miserable really fast. Um, you know, it was like a 75-day shoot, which is Ugh. a lot. Yeah. That is, that's a long shoot. Yeah. Uh, but she did go on to star in his next movie, or start in another movie, Marnie, uh, for him. So mm. she obviously, what you know, for whatever happened, I mean, she did continue to work with him. Hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what that says other than, you know girl wanted a paycheck yeah hey. <laughs> but i just think yeah there's a lot of well i mean again he's the auteur he's the one he's the hit maker so yeah it's just interesting again it's that you know i mean well it's just the same with the weinstein conversation and you know it's like uh, well, people want to work and be artists and be you know in the business so how do you how, how do you, you do navigate that? when yeah. you have a very powerful person so i don't know watching the watching the movie today it's like i was thinking about all of that in the back of my head of like it is a great performance and i think the birds as a film is pretty good like still again you yeah. know i do think it's overly long and that's because it you're right it kind of has this beginning where it's sort of misleading you about what it is about um you know much like psycho takes the a huge chunk of the beginning to focus on mary and crane which her caper not, and yeah, yeah and she, that's not the movie at all um, you find out five hours into it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's a great film, and I think her performance is really great, especially for, I think it was her first movie. Um, to be Hedren? I think it might have been her. Oh, that's pretty great. Like, debut um, film. Let me just check that. I, th I thought it was um, at the beginning introducing um, 
She may have done some other acting, but I think that was she is. Uh, she's one of my favorite parts of that whole film too. She yeah. She gives this really fun performance. Yeah, this was her first ma- starring role. She had she'd been in a film before that, but I think it looks like as a um, maybe not the star, but regardless, um, you know, for being you know our first like starring role, she's really good. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Especially when she kind of when she's introduced, you kind of think of her as being just this vapid sort of character, but she's much more interesting than that. And throughout the film, I mean, she really is, she's trying it's to revealed more. Yeah. Yeah. She's very heroic in some ways. Oh, in many ways, but yeah. So what else? Do you have any other interpretations? <laughs> no, it was, it was, a, it was a fun movie. I, I definitely, you know, it, it kind of played up again. Like I said, it played up that, um, already uneasiness that I have when I see a bunch of birds out. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's, and I, I, I don't know. It's that the idea of like, we don't know why that's the other thing too. It's yeah. Like, we don't know why. And you end it not knowing why there's no random expert there. Like even in bird box, like when we watched bird box, there was like some explanation by Somehow there was some explanation about it all, but um, what was going on that was satisfying enough to that, you know, I was like, okay, well, guess that's what it is. Yeah. But even, but with this one, it was just no explanation. And I hate that. Like, that's one of the more unsettling uh, aspects of horror that I don't like is when you just don't know why, when the, when the violence is indiscriminate and uh, unwarranted in many ways, and you have no reasons for mo- no reasons or motives. Well, but that's the question because going into the birds, you know, if you think of our hunting them for sport and using them for you know our own plumage, you know, and hats and coats and you know just all the ways that we you know benefit from the genocide of birds. Yeah. You know, like that's I guess that's the thing. That's sort of the the behind it, the and explanation. You know, because that's what he's back, saying yeah. in the intro. You know, of of just the the crimes committed upon the birds. Mm-hmm. It's it's enough. They've had it. Yeah. Had it. I will say that I'm I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have fried chicken after this. So <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, you're just like Alfred then, sitting down to eat that bird in yeah, the trailer. But I will finish oh, it. Never mind. No, no, I will finish it. All right. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Closing statement. I'm going to eat fried chicken and not worry <laughs> about the consequences if, yes. if God happens to be a giant chicken. If God was a giant chicken, that's a cruel joke on chickens. Yeah. Or is it a cruel joke on us? We'll see when we get there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, did you ever have a pet bird? No. No. I did when I was a kid. We had a little parakeet, of course, because that's what everybody has. Uh, we had a little uh, little budgie called uh, Fancy. She was ah, very cute. Ah, here's your one chance. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Uh, my mother was a big Reba McIntyre fan. I think that's why she did end up with that name. Wow. You are fancy with your parakeet, though. Yeah, yeah. She was um, really funny. She was blue. Uh, very, very pretty. A um, little Fancy. I missed uh, when when she died. It was very sad. Mm. Yeah, that was the second pet I lost because I had a hermit crab that died. Oh, yeah. And so and then Fancy, we had her. Gosh, for a while, she lived a few years. Um, and then this one day, we came home and legs up. 
She was on the bottom of her cage. Wow. So sad. It was. It was very, very sad. Mm-hmm. I remember crying. I remember running to my best friend's house. She lived a few houses down. I was so upset. I would love to have a pet bird now, but Jeffrey doesn't like them. So <laughs> Well, you know. Yeah. Because I do. I, I do really like birds. And, you know, when I see people that have, like, a pet, like, raven or a crow or whatever, you know what I mean? They talk. Oh, that's so cool. Like, I just want a little bird hopping around here talking, yelling at the cats. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. That would be terrible. Right. It would be beautiful, but terrible. What if it, like, rid on the back of Hemlock? If he just galloped <laughs> around and the bird just sat there, just, you know. On, a, on like, a on special a saddle. saddle perch <laughs> that we have for it. Hi-ho, Silva. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. I remember seeing this movie when I was a kid, uh, really young, so I, it was fun to revisit it today with you, uh, Joe, as, as we do on the show. Yeah, I don't know where I fall. I kind of, I prefer to just, I think the analysis of just, yeah, they're just rising up against us, I think is is the most satisfying, um, you know, only because it's like, well, are they witches, like these women whose rage is bringing about a bird attack? I don't know. Hmm. It's like, if that's not part of the story, I, I don't really see the same, That I feel that reading might be a little bit, more of a stretch. Yeah. But I did enjoy reading about it. It made me, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then when I was watching the film, I was kind of thinking about those things, you know, uh, especially because there was pointed out, I think we talked a little bit about it, about like Tippy's blonde hair and her green dress. Yeah. You know, looking, looking sort like of a like budget. a bird. Yeah. And, you know, the X with her bright red and then the mother kind of that grayish, you know, little vulture-esque, you know, just overseeing. And, yeah. You know, I thought Death. that was, Death I, I thought it was her. interesting. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a, a you know, that, that may have been deliberate, you know, maybe yeah. it is about, you know, the women's relationships with this man. Hmm. But, I don't know. I like, in these movies, these natural horror films, I, I just like when it's simply about, we're getting what's coming to us, you know, we're poisoning the sea, yeah. and the birds are eating the plankton, or whatever the hell, the algae, and it's making them crazy. And there we are. And, you know, direct consequences. (laughs) Uh, But all right. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Another Hitchcock film under our belts. I know. We're we're making our way through them. Yeah. There's a couple uh, more that I'd like to to watch as we uh, continue on. But uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll explore those later. So, uh, all right. Anything else? No, I think I'm good. All right, Joe. Like, well. like, rate, and subscribe. Right. As always, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. At Fright School. At Fright School. At Fright School. Yes. <laughs> We're at Fright School everywhere. All right. Well, uh, join the flock. <laughs> <laughs> the Fright School flock. Uh, all right. Good night, Joe. Good night, Joshua. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. listening to the Geekscape Network.